Howdy, folks. Welcome to We'll See You in Hell. My name is Joe DeRosa, and I'm here with Pat Walsh to bring you the news and the latest and the greatest and all your favorite genre flicks. Today we discuss Dragged Across Concrete. I know it was supposed to be Pet Cemetery, but that's coming next week, we promise. Plus, it's a new one. Gives you a little more time to see it. To be honest, I ain't seen it yet. I was going to see it this morning, but we pulled a Yui and went with this. Now, we didn't mix it. Is that okay? I did it already. All right. I want to make sure everyone can hear each squeak of Khan's ball. <laughs> Sack. That was directed at Khan, who is being a little noisy. Uh, he's an annoying dog sometimes. How uh, are you, Walsh? Well, I mean, better than you, Joe, it sounds like. <laughs> I walked in. I said, how are you, Joe? He said, I wish I was dead. Yeah, now everybody calm down. I'm not going to kill myself or anything like that. Let's all just pump the brakes. But it's just, uh, did you ever have one of those moods where you're just like... Every day. I, I, I go on Instagram today, and that's part of the problem. I go Deleted on it from my phone. I got to take it. I If these fucking gigs, if I didn't have to plug these fucking gigs, I, you know what? I might just stop plugging them. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, it doesn't do anything. It, you know, do, I, it doesn't look good to the clubs and so forth. Ugh, I'm really starting to not give a shit. <laughs> Why do I get followed by so many comedy clubs? <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, it's not like I was ever like a fixture on the L.A. comedy scene. I, I did stand up 30 times. Uh, you were you were one of the most famous groupies in L.A. comedy history. They all we're, talk about <laughs> sucking and fucking you. <laughs> um. Uh, a chuckle fucker, they call it. Yeah. A com comedy groupie. Anyway, I go on Instagram today. You ready for this? Yes. I see an account for Leo the Cat, who <laughs> is one of the four cats that plays church in the new Pet Cemetery movie. You follow Leo? No, I just saw, you know how it tells you, like, people you should be following? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I click. I, so right there was that the depressing part that you that should was be following the beginning of it. Okay, I click on it. In a month's time, this cat has generated almost an equal amount of followers. Uh huh. That that has taken me six years of constant <laughs> posting and whatever else to amass. I mean, this it's the second week in a row you're upset about somebody else's Instagram followers. What is I'm, you need to be definitely even at my weirdest obsession with these stupid things. I never was like, how do I not have more followers than this cat? Well, I mean, but I mean, doesn't that he's a star? Does <laughs> he's a movie star? <laughs> Let alone a cute cat. You're neither. <laughs> you're not a movie star. You're not a cute cat. That's your answer. Uh, I'm a cool cat. Doesn't that go yeah, for anything these days? You're a cool cat <laughs> with two K's, of course. <laughs> uh, just what what world are we living in? What's what's happening? What's what's it's a sick world? Everything's unfair. Nothing is right. Uh, from from the top on down, nobody's in the position they're supposed to be in. The untalented that sounds, rise. That almost sounded like an old Dylan lyric. 
<laughs> From the top on down, now this is the position that should be in. The untalented And then everybody's got to pretend like it's a good song because yeah. the lyrics are decent. <laughs> Dylan uh, stinks. I, he's, <laughs> I like him. I have not listened to a Bob Dylan album in five years. I, I had a period. He I, fucking stinks. But I was never obsessed. I, I, need a, I need a melody at the end of the day. Jesus Christ. It's got to sing, baby. Some guy talking over a fucking acoustic guitar. Yeah. Has anyone ever done a Bob Dylan impression? No, and you know who else nobody ever does is Nicholson (laughs) or walking. Yeah, yeah. Those are going to be my three. When I finally put myself out to pasture and become a cruise ship comedian, when I finally just (laughs) surrender to it, those will be the three impressions I work on. And Joe, then the Instagram followers will come (laughs) (laughs) because you'll have dumbed yourself down to America's level. Smash cut to me on a cruise ship screaming at an audience. <laughs> what, what What? do you want me to do? Lick my own asshole? Is that what will get me followers? Yeah. This fucking cat? Yeah. <laughs> Pants down, straining your neck to reach your exposed asshole. Then your neck creaks and, and freezes in that position. End of the movie. Credits roll. <laughs> uh, folks, were we in the middle of a story that really jumped around? You're uh, you're not doing well, is what you're saying. I'm just depressed. I'm not. And when I say I wish I was dead, I say it. You you know, I'm speaking euphemistically. I don't. I'm not going to kill myself or anything like that. Yeah. I feel like you okay. need to say that you, these days. You've said it several times. Yeah, but I mean, well, I feel like you really have to say it because he thinks you know, the lady doth protest <laughs> too much. <laughs> you know, you tweet out these days. Somebody writes on Twitter like, "Yeah, feeling a little blue," and then people are sending you like hot line numbers and shit right you know i'm just i'm just you know i'm speaking euphemistically i'm just i'm just you know it's a bummer everything's just kind of a bummer man i don't know people also do like feeling a little blue could use some support in the dms or something i mean look please reach out where you need it but when i see people reaching out to their twitter followers to like talk them out of killing themselves i'm like you need a stronger support system my friend yeah you need a pal you can call on the damn phone this is this you need is, uh, a Joe, if I may. And I'm <laughs> sure you, you would say uh, a me. I would. I would have said, and I'd be referring to myself. Yes. Uh, the, uh, no. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, I think that's part of why I'm sad. It's like this world, everything is so twisted up. Like, it's like, I, I get very depressed at the sterilization of, uh, of, you know, sort of culture and society and interaction and the fact that, there is so much levity put on these social media networks. I mean, that, that's why it depresses me. I don't give a fuck that people don't want to follow me. What right. I care about is is some asshole in a fucking office somewhere looks at that and goes, "Sorry, man, you don't have enough. You don't have enough going on here." And it's like, dude, right? When did this become the the complete worth or, or, or value of a human being? It's fucking insane. And then if you're an up-and-coming comic who just wants to avoid it, like not be on social media and hone your craft, I wonder if you can make it anywhere because they just feel like you don't exist. Yeah, it's You nuts. would know better than I. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I told you I de- deactivated my Twitter account months ago. Yeah. And I recently went back on and I was going to, in a moment of, I don't want to say weakness, but in a, in a, in a, in a you know, there was a fleeting moment where I said, you know what? Let me go back on and activate this thing so I don't lose all the followers and everything. Right. And then I can deactivate it again. Who cares? Uh, and I went on and, and activated it for like 10 seconds and I, it was gone. All my followers were gone. 
So it's officially over. Like, I don't have a Twitter account anymore. Huh. I thought that couldn't happen. No, I think don't they come back over time? I think if you were to reactivate it, that it would take a while, but they would come back. And it's like some weird glitch. Oh, is that what it is? I might be wrong. I I I saw somebody complaining about that the other day. My followers and following were at zero, both. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe it's not, but it doesn't matter. Like the the I, I get I, I'm actually more disheartened to hear that that it might just be a glitch because I was like, okay, that's closure, it's done, right? That's it. Um, I saw this gentleman on Twitter, um, who's always just kind of going after targets, basically, and he makes great points. The stores, you mean? The what? The stores. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's had it. Yeah. But, you know, he's a funny guy. He was a writer for a while and can't seem to find work and just exposes. Well, I know why he can't find work. He exposes the hypocrisies, the lies, the bullshit amongst people across the industry from the top of the pops, the Apatows, you know, all the way down. Okay. And uh, do you know who this guy is or are you just not saying his name? I, I could say his name. He's a very, his name is Jack Allison. He goes by Jack Allison, LOL, on Twitter. Okay. I've never met him. Um, but I like his work, you know, he's always like, Hey, at Adam McKay. And I'll be like, interesting that you claim to be on the side of the working man. When I wrote an entire Will Ferrell Toyota campaign for you and made like $400 and they aired on tell, you know, like he does shit like this all day. Good for him. And good for him. That was a real one, by the way. I didn't make that up. The only thing that might be wrong is, is the Toyota, but you know, they'll get on their platform and start going off about how they're you know apatow or whoever it may be and it'd be like interesting because (laughs) and some are stories from his own career some are things he's read some are articles and the people get very mad because he's almost always correct and these people cannot handle being called on their ship so mckay really because no one calls him on the ship because why would you call out somebody who's like the biggest voice in comedy but this guy does and i think that's why he you know he struggles but he's a fascinating guy he's had a lot of great stuff to say on the writers guild but he had a huge battle with a bunch of showrunners recently because this showrunner was saying just so you know um showrunners definitely read your twitter to decide if they want to hire you or not if you're going to talk shit about somebody's like movie with a third act problem or something, just be aware it could be a potential hire or they could be a good friend of a potential hire. This is a small business, small world. And A, it made me t- want to delete this entire podcast. <laughs> but B, yeah. I was like, huh, something about that doesn't seem fair to me as I read it. And <laughs> I'm a showrunner. When I, I read people's samples, I didn't go to their Twitter and like search my name and see if they'd ever said anything bad about something I wrote for. I've said bad shit about things I write for. Who cares? But this guy, Jack Allison, really starts going after it and was like, how dare you like police people's Twitter? And wouldn't you want somebody in your staff who has the balls to say to you, there's a third act problem? Right. You want you just want to ruin people saying everything you do is amazing. That seems to be what all these showrunners want. Right. And it's not what I want, but it is something that you struggle with in these in writers' rooms. Is I would say, guys, it's not helping me at all to say your draft was perfect. Right. Like we all talk about each other's drafts and fix it. I need that same process. Right. I'm not perfect, you know. And and it it takes a couple times saying that to break down people's defenses and have them say, yeah, I think we could do better here or there because it's the boss and they think you're going to be pissed. 
that's not a way to run anything, especially a collaborative effort like comedy. I thought it was a very interesting argument. And I think you should be allowed to say what you want, tweet what you want. If you're going out for a job on the Connors and you've got 8,000 tweets about how much the Connors sucks. Well, then that's different. Yeah, yeah, that's different. But to search back and like in 2012, he said something bad about a show I created. It's like, that isn't fair. It isn't fair. Well, it's also, I mean, you know, I've had in passing, you know, people uh, say to me about this show, uh, you know, man, you know, you guys really hate on a lot of stuff. It's like, dude, nobody's hating on anything. Yeah. We're giving honest reviews of things. And sorry, that's how this works. If it sucks, you're allowed to say it sucks. It's nobody's looking to shit on anything. Nobody's looking for something to be terrible. I mean, aside from me with Marvel movies, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, like nobody's looking for any of that. Like it, it's just it's it's that's what criticism is. That's that's how it works. And there are plenty of artists out there that double as critics. I mean, Kevin Smith does it all the fucking time. Uh, you know, and Kevin Smith will unabashedly go after movies his friends are in and be like, this thing is fucking joyless, this picture. Like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think you should be able to, although I get that artists, quote, are sensitive people and things are going to bother you and so forth. But it's just like, how much are we going to take away? That's what I'm getting to, at. To what point is it just going to be everyone going like, I love everything everything about this was amazing that's not a conversation that holds any interest for me and it is like when you go to brunch with people in la it's like did you all see the premiere of stranger things the entire table in unison says yes we all it go was i really liked it great yeah. i mean it makes you want to rip your head out well, i don't think you got to shit on everything we're not going to be shitting on today's movie i can tell you that much well but uh, yeah I just like talking about stuff and saying you know, no, that's my point. How do you feel? You speak honestly about it, but we live in this this the climate right now is this f- bullshit celebratory thing. Everybody's a fucking champion. Everybody's a winner, and uh, you know if anybody says something slightly negative about you or your project or whatever it is, you've been victimized, and it's not fair, and it's it's closed. We have lost. We have just completely lost an ability to to understand what criticism is supposed to be. And uh, on top of it, when you are somebody that's willing to speak honestly about how you think or feel about things, a lot of the times you get this fucking label put on you that you're that you're a pariah or that you're negative or that you're this or you're that. And it's like, yeah, sorry, I don't have my head up my own ass and yours 24 hours a fucking day. Right telling you that uh you know it's it's sunny and and smells great up there it's just it's just fucking crazy man it's just ah this is see this is now we're back to the beginning this is why i'm in a mood it's like i'm just everything sucks where's the fucking action at man (laughs) where's the danger where's the fun you know nobody's fucking everybody's living fucking hell everybody sucks folks welcome to we'll see you now (laughs) Uh, it's time to get on with the show and on with the Joe. Thank you for shaking and helping with that tambourine accompaniment, Con. 
you made it sound a little better than it would have. I there, had nothing. There are times where he'll do that, right? When at a key moment, when I'm like trying to tell somebody something. Yeah. And boy, if you don't want to sail a dog out a window, <laughs> sometimes when uh-huh. he does that. Um. Uh. Good to see Walsh. Uh, let's. Uh, this is not a screen. Let's let's call this little thing just right here a bonus scream in. Yeah. Because I've got some stuff for the actual scream I'm in when we get to it, but I just want to talk about speaking of hating on shit. As I say, nobody's allowed to criticize anymore. Hellboy remake, ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I so, don't uh, pay attention to, ascribe to, or have an interest in a Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, but it is getting bad reviews. It's getting terrible reviews. Story broke today, courtesy of uh, Movie Web, that apparently. The re the remake was was riddled with reshoots, rewrites, and David Harbour had walked off set. Oh boy! A few times, like because it was too many takes. I mean, I can't imagine shooting an entire movie in that makeup. It's got to be fucking hell. Hell boy. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, uh, apparently this thing is is not good. It sounds like they tried to go for a sort of Deadpool. Uh huh. Which I guess is how the I never read the Hellboy comics, but they said like it's just profanity and gore to a point of like and violence rather to a point of just like like it's ridiculous, you know. It's it's uh, it just it's it, to 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 its own detriment. So uh, it sounds like they went for something that didn't work. I really like the original one that Del Toro did, and I thought Perlman was a perfect Hellboy. I found them both relatively entertaining. Uh, I'm not going to see this new one. I, I don't care. I just don't care. I don't understand why you don't just do a continuation of the Perlman mo- of the Perlman movies with Perlman. Why do you reboot it with a new actor? It's a guy caked in makeup. He yeah. could be 90 years old on it. It doesn't matter. I think Perlman's a little annoyed as well. I mean, it's just, you know... If you need to recast the people around him or whatever, okay, fine. I mean, I, I don't think you should, but, but you know, it's like, dude, just do the fucking, just keep it in that universe and have Del Toro produce it or whatever. I mean, I guess maybe he didn't want to. I don't know. Del Toro couldn't get the third movie made. Yeah. He couldn't get it made. Right. And then they're like, no, we're going to do a new one with the guy that six people know from Stranger Things. I do find that very odd. And I don't think any of those people know that guy's name. No, and it, it's very weird to me. And I'm a David Harbor fan. I think he's yeah. great. But I mean that the you know, he, he's not a household. He's one of these guys where somebody just decided he's going to be famous. Right. They're and they're just they're just going to push it now. Well, I mean publicists do that, but uh, he's a good solid character actor. I, I think just, he's great. I, I don't know why we need to do all this. Do what? You know, make the man Hellboy. Oh yeah, no, I think he's I think he's great. That man, we what did what was the trail? Because we, we saw it right before dragged across concrete. The jokes, this poor bastard that they're making him say in this movie, where he's like, oh, he's yeah. like, she's like, we're meant to be together, and he's like, no, we're not, because I'm a Leo and you're a crazy bitch. You know, like that's like one of the bits in the. That's actually better than what it was, but <laughs> that's the the warm up guy on Two Broke Girls used to have that joke. He would go. Uh, yeah, well, you know, my ex-wife and I uh, recently split up over uh, religious differences. Uh, she was a Protestant. No, I, I'm a Protestant, and uh, she was Satan. It's the same joke. Oh, boy. Hellboy stealing from the Two Broke Girls warm-up. Dear God. And then, he, and then my favorite take on that is the guy fucks it up. 
I just I just to, fucked it up. Yeah, yeah, like but he's trying to do like this cute little benign joke. And the problem is is uh she was a Protestant. Fuck! And then he just has a full-on <laughs> meltdown, just screaming yeah. profanities at an audience, waiting to see two broke girls. I used to open my, uh, when my band would play in college, I would walk up to the microphone and say, uh, just flew in from the coast, and boy, is my plane tired. Ugh. Fuck! And then we would start playing. This is a good good kickoff. It is. I thought you were saying I'd you go, really fuck! did. Fuck! And then it'd be like, two, three, four. We weren't British, but, you know. Hey, ho, let's go. That was your opener, right? Yes, we would. We were the Ramones. I was Patrick Ramone. You want to dance us down to the corner? I do, but first I'd like to ask you, Joe, why you told Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman to do what they did. I've, I finally have an answer for this question. Quite frankly, I was sick of both of them. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. And now we're rid of them. Uh, uh, Felicity Huffman played... I don't know anything about Felicity Huffman. I've seen her in a couple movies. Transparent. Transamerica. Transamerica, yeah. I think she's a very good actor. Uh, she is. Uh, but she plays... There's an arc on Frasier yeah. where he dates her, and she plays the most horrible human being on earth okay so convincingly that i'm like that's that's coming from somewhere <laughs> right uh there's an amazing amazing episode of frazier where uh he starts to get serious with her yeah and he wants to back away and at the beginning of the episode he's talking to niles about it and Niles is like you need to commit to commitment you need to stop looking for these flaws in these people right she's perfectly fine i'm sure so frazier sleeps with her immediately he's like you're my girlfriend like starts planning trips to like italy with her uh-huh. then the family comes over and she just she's just the worst human being in the whole episode is kelsey Grammer trying to like put the face on and be like this is the woman i love I've, I've, <laughs> and there's a great scene where she's in the bathroom and he's like he's like yes she's she's wonderful gone are the days where i would have said I've made a ghastly mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's really, it's a really, really fucking funny episode. She I, eventually chokes on a peanut. Nobody tries to help her. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I it's of, a wild uh, ride. I sort of abandoned it around season three. I got to get back in. This is in the last season. This is like one of the final episodes. Okay. Uh, not final, but you know, it's in the, it's in the final season. Anyway. Uh, Lori Laughlin, I have a, less of an opinion about. I, I, all I know her is is the Full House lady. I've never seen her in anything else. I would like to say, uh, speaking of Frasier, um, I wrote a Cool Kids very much in the mold of Frasier, a, a kind of a, a door slamming farce, a lot of misunderstandings and shit, um, and that will air this Friday thinking ahead of when we're airing this that will air this friday so check it out great uh, it's a really it. funny one good episode to seeing it um Lori laughlin the star of rad a bmx biking movie that uh oh, really i absolutely loved contains a scene where the, the 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 hero crew jones has his arms wrapped around her waist from behind and she's like looking out and she's like crew this is the most beautiful scenery anyone's ever shown me thank you for taking me here there is an open sewer pipe in the back of the shot (laughs) 
That's how hilariously bad the movie read. Now you don't think that that was uh, you know metaphoric shot no. or something? There the was, director was trying to no. no? Okay, this was uh, that was a movie about. I mean, if you haven't seen this thing, please check it out. Uh, all right, let's take us over to Pat's movie corner. I saw the beach bum. Oh, nice. How was it? Harmony Corinne's new movie starring Matthew McConaughey, Jonah Hill, uh, Isla Fisher, Snoop Dogg, and Martin Lawrence. Um, it was insane, <laughs> but like, I don't like the, the films of Harmony Corinne. I, I see them all. Except I found Spring Breakers to be a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I saw it in theaters three times. I was okay. smoking a lot of weed at the time. But I fucking love Spring Breakers. I still throw it on all the time. I think it's just perfect. Um, the Beach Bum, I thought it was going to be like a companion piece. It looked like it was exactly the same movie, but with McConaughey. And it just it feels like scenes that you'd watch deleted. It feels like a whole deleted subplot from Spring Breakers. That was rightly left on the cutting room is it floor. A, is it a comedy? Yes. It barely limps to like feature length. Uh, McConaughey's doing his thing. Uh, you know, he's just a complete wash up. His wife is kind of cucking him with Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg is good in the movie. There's a 20 minute segment where Martin Lawrence and, and McConaughey go out in a boat and they're like chasing dolphins. And I mean, it's how's it, Martin Lawrence it's rough stuff. I've never seen him in a part like that. He's not good. You know, I mean, he, I can't say he's not good. He, he's fine. He's doing his thing. But like, you just wish it was better for him to finally go away from these big, like $20 million movies and try something. It's like, why this? Well, he'll be fine. Bad Boys 3 is about to come. Yeah, out. that's true. I'm excited. But um, all the pieces are there. I love just there's something I love about a sleazy fun trashy movie it was beautifully shot like all of harmony corinne's uh bigger budget stuff is it just doesn't quite work all right fair enough um i'm not going to rush to see it but i do want to see it uh speaking of a movie that does work uh and in, in very much in the vein of a corinne style movie uh a, pre- a predecessor if you will uh, well corinne is known for uh kids famous coming of age movie but uh 10 or 15 years before kids was a little film called suburbia you've never seen it penelope spheris directed it right yes who also directed all the um decline of western civilization and wayne's films and wayne's world and also the beverly hillbillies yeah which she also wrote (laughs) yeah that was weird it's a weird choice but anyway um She's really wonderful. Uh, this movie is one of the most depressing films I've ever seen, but it is a fucking fantastic, fantastic film. It's a coming-of-age piece about uh, like gutter punks in Los Angeles in the early 80s. Um, it is a thing that Penelope does with her films, and she does this in the documentaries, obviously, but she's somehow figured out a way to transfer it to scripted stuff, too which is not easy to do. The film doesn't tell you what to think. It doesn't tell you really who's right or who's wrong. 
you just kind of come out of this thing feeling like a camera was just set on some people and they showed you what really happened. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is very disturbing, uh, but there, but after these disturbing sequences, there is no sort of, but the moral here is this, or here's the reckoning for that bad behavior. It's, it's, I guess ultimately in the film, you could say that there is some of that, but it's just an amazing capturing of, of what I assume life was like for people like this at that time period. And I assume she came out of that scene because she seems to know it like the back of her hand. Uh, so uncompromising, if you will, uh, is this vision. Oh, wow. And it's a great flick. It's worth seeing, man. It's it's really worth watching. It, it really laid the groundwork for the movies like Kids and, and that sort of stuff. It's on Hulu, right? Uh, I think it is. I can't remember where I think I they also have it. Dudes which was Penelope Spheris' like follow-up to it, and it's got John Cryer. I think I'm going to watch both. I'll do a double feature. Dudes is more of a f- like buddy road movie, isn't it? I believe, but I, th- I think that's also Spheris. Yeah, no, I think it is. And they look super punk, like they have giant mohawks. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Suburbia, check it out. Uh, it goes under a different title sometimes. Yeah, because uh, and- that... Uh, that uh, there's the Bogosian Bogosian movie one, yes, as well, which was with, Linklater. Yeah, with uh, um, uh, what's his face? I was going to say Rabisi. Yeah, Giovanni Rabisi. Um, I've never seen that. I've heard it's good. Uh, Bogosian stuff is usually pretty fun to watch, so uh, I'd like to see it. But no, I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about the other one. Okay. Interesting. I thought two movies couldn't have the same title, but then sometimes they do, and. Well, I don't know if sub- that's what I was saying. Like Suburbia's got some alt titles to it, yeah. so I don't know. Anyway, uh, folks, I saw "Stop Making Sense" at the Will Turn, the Talking Heads, nice uh, live concert directed by Jonathan Demi. Have you seen this, Joe? You seen this thing? I have not seen it. I mean, I saw it years ago. I was kind of stoned, like in college, you know. But I haven't like. I absolutely love the Talking Heads. To get to see them live in like their ultimate prime with this amazing, like funk backup band, singers, dancers, uh, you know, keyboardists, several guitarists. Uh, it is, I think, easily the best concert movie of all time. I don't think anything comes even close to it. But I would say seeing it at the theater. And I, I know we talked about this a little last week. Is a requirement. Whether you even like the, obviously, if you like the Talking Heads, you're going to like it more. But it's a requirement. I had a giant grin on my face the entire time. People were fucking dancing. People were having fun. People were clapping after every number. Uh, that sounds fun. The movie is one of Demi's best. Opens with, of course, David Byrne. I used to watch it over and over and over when I was a little kid. First cool music I got into. Used to roller skate around in my basement listening to the Talking Heads. Uh, I was a weird kid. I'll say it. <laughs> but um, David Byrne walks out. He sets up a boombox to play a little drum beat. He's playing an acoustic guitar and he does Psycho Killer by himself. Then out comes the bassist, Tina Weymouth. She joins him. That It just shows you like building a song. So each new song, they add a new element. Then the drums come out. 
you're like, oh, it's like a three-piece punk band, like how the Talking Heads got their start. Then out come the backup singers. Then by the end, you've got like this giant, like funk collective playing these incredible songs. Everything sounds amazing. Uh, I I can't recommend it enough. A plus plus plus. This is the best music concert documentary film ever made. Does burning down the house play a pivotal point in this? Have a pivotal point in the set list? Like, is that like the first full band number or something like that? yeah, it's up there. It's early. It gets a you know gets a huge response. the The audience shots are great when they never really come. It's like they don't cut to the audience to the last song because uh-huh. they're like, why would you ever want to go away from how amazing this band is? Right. I and you know, Burn kind of set up the whole movie with Demi, so like they've choreographed everything so carefully, and the cameras are coming in when they wheel in new like little sets. You get like a cruise eye view while the song's going on of like the crew pushing out the new set. Just all these little touches. It's shot so well. Can't recommend it highly enough. If you've never seen it, do yourself a favor. If you've never seen it at a theater, do yourself a big favor. Very cool. Uh, Excuse me. I watched Joe Bob. The new uh, Last Drive-In series is really great. I watched the premiere. I've not seen the the latest. Uh, I watched both. Um, okay. Well, I didn't watch Society in the second. Well, I've already seen Society. Never seen it. Go um, What's the other one? Q, the Winged Serpent. Never seen so that. That's either. what I watched because in the Chud episode, he talked about how Q, the Winged Serpent, was the you know was a Larry Cohen masterpiece and how it was the superior right. version of Chud. Uh, and I agree. Uh, Q is a lot of fun. It's yeah. a wild fucking movie. It's crazy. I mean, there's about a fucking dragon flying around New York decapitating people. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a really killer movie, and the thing that everybody talks about, uh, or, or that is it's most noted for, is Michael Moriarty's performance in it. Uh, Rex Reed apparently said, in the middle of all this dreck, you have this astonishing uh, method performance by Michael Moriarty. He said that to one yeah. of the producers of the film, and the producer goes, well, the dreck was all my idea. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, th- you know, and they didn't hate each other, people, because people could just talk like that at one yes. point. Uh, anyway, um, there uh, there was a... Uh, it, it was it was a really fun watch. It was a really, really fun watch. Uh, I'll probably watch it tonight, because I, I, I must excited to see the new joe bob yeah and then of course as we've said before watching it with joe bob is just a treat uh i turned my mom on to joe bob briggs and she loves him right she loves him she had never heard of him uh and then she said do you think it's weird that a 71 year old lady likes this stuff and i was like well i gotta be honest man i don't think he's that much younger than you no like, he's right he's late 60s huh? yeah i was like you you're seeing eye to eye with this guy yeah uh and he's I, I just love how edgy the guy is. I love that he's pushing buttons, and I just when you get into those like movie ten of thirteen on the uh, original <laughs> marathon because now I finally watched that whole marathon. My God, I'm like, are they going to come in and shut this down? <laughs> but he's got his opinions, and he's saying them. It's funny. Um, he's just an awesome guy. Yeah the 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 cue the wing serpent one opens with him going. He's like, what's the biggest faux pas drive-in movie? 
having your headlights on, coming in late with your headlights on. Yeah. And every time we'd catch a guy with his headlights on, the guy'd say, oh, I didn't know how to turn them off. That was always his excuse. Some jackass in a nice fancy car. I don't know how to turn them off. Yeah? Well, let me tell you something, pal. We'll figure out a fucking way to permanently turn them off, and then you can drive back to Fort Worth like that. Let's see if you learn your god. Like, you know, I, I like that he's like a beer-swilling, you know, yeah. shit-kicking dude. Like, he's, you know, I don't know if shit-kicking is derogatory. I don't mean it to be. It's not. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, yeah, people love being told that they kick shit, Joe. I am a huge fan, and this being on Shutter right now, it's it's why you know people are going back to vinyl and all this shit. Like a, it, you know, the simple reason is it reminds you of your childhood, but like it's just there's something about it that's like uh, of a simpler time. Watching these old movies with this guy, it reminds me of being a kid. I just love it. It's why I go back and watch all the old sitcoms. Yes, I'm rewatching Married with Children now. Yes. And this joke bears repeating because you did laugh heartily when I texted it to you. But uh, great sight gag. Episode opens. Peggy's reading the National Enquirer and the front page of it just says joke found in Howie Mandel's act. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. It's good. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, And then my third, I watched a uh, documentary based on a book that I had read called Full Service, the story of Scotty Bowers. Um, And now the movie is, for some reason, not called Full Service. It is called Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. Scotty Bowers is a very interesting character. He's about 90 at this point. He is a guy who ran or worked at a gas station right up here on uh, like Hollywood near Thai town, Hollywood Boulevard. Okay. It's no longer there. Now it's that big firehouse and firehouse. There's a firehouse on Hollywood Boulevard, right by close. Not, not all the way down to Grauman's, but about halfway. And, um, he would facilitate gay sex for closeted actors, Hmm. closeted people, but little by little, it worked its way up and people talked to people and one thing led to another. And then some of the biggest stars in Hollywood were coming to this gas station and Scotty Bowers was going over to their house and bringing his dudes. And then dudes, he was like a pimp for guys, pimp for guys. He claimed to be bisexual. He's married to a woman. Now I get the feeling he's gay, but who knows? Sexuality is a fluid thing. And, uh, he basically hooks up, Man, Cary Grant, Spencer Tracy, uh, you know. Cary Grant was dipping his toe in that pool. I didn't know that. Well, Cary Grant lived with Randall Scott in a mansion for about five years. And there's pictures of them, like, swimming together. And everyone was just like, these two really are good friends. (laughs) Now, I thought he lived with Willard Scott. (laughs) No. Uh, Uh, As the actor Randall Scott, they were a gay couple. But they go into this ship. no idea. All right. You know, like Cole Porter, the songwriter, he's like, Cole Porter would call me up and say, I want to suck off 15 guys, one after the other. Just line them up. So I'd call up my boys and we'd go, you know, there's a lot of great kind of salacious stories. However, there's something about the book that I just sort of found this like fascinating alternate history to Hollywood documentary is sort of weird and like seeing the guy makes it weird because the guy's stranger than he seems in the book and 
what I found odd about it is that they keep pushing this question of should you be writing this fucking book? Like these guys it's, trusted yeah. you. They're well, dead. They're, yeah, no, they have families. Why are you sh- doing that? It's a shitty thing to do, I think. And he's going, uh, you know, he's at these book signings and he keeps getting lambasted. Like, uh, so the book is just the story of the book and the documentary is sort of the story of the book, but also the aftermath of it. And it made it much less enjoyable to me because it, I guess it makes you think about the uh, moral issues of it. But, you know, like they're like, don't you think these people's families are upset? And he's like, why? There's nothing to be ashamed about about being gay. I'm like, yeah, but you but know, it's not up to you to decide. It's how not somebody your else choice. Feels, and there's yeah. 90 year old relatives out there who are like, I don't want to hear this about my son. You're you're messing up families and so forth. He was like, no, I feel I'm doing a good service. And it's like, eh. you yeah. were you were maybe doing a good service back in the day, but you're I don't doing know what a pimp needs to do when he can't pimp anymore. You're yeah, making money in. By pimping still right. in a different way. That's what you're doing. I mean, it's the same reason everybody was all rightly pissed at uh, Perez Hilton when he used to like out people. And it's like, yeah. dude, we finally rid of that guy. You're, you're going to have some you're going to have somebody kill themselves or something he still like. around. He is. Uh, yeah, very much still around. I think he's a scumbag. But, you know, sort of a more moralistic discussion than the book i do recommend the book if you're in but you know why was i reading it it's like salacious details about you know it's the reason anyone reads any of those it's why i read the superhead book confessions of a video vixen you know sometimes you want to hear some trashy tawdry tales and uh it's it serves that purpose but there's also sort of a a queasy moral aspect to it that i i didn't love all right uh i'm gonna skip my third in the interest of getting over to Scream NN, as we run a little low on time here, uh, this is a big Scream NN for me. Uh, people, I'm not one to pat myself on the back. Okay. But I got to say, when I'm right, I'm right. Two days ago, story was released. Again, I got this courtesy of Movie Web. Thank you guys for giving movie news. <laughs> Sometimes I believe gripe. it or not, that wasn't a paid ad, folks. Yeah. Sometimes I gripe about them, and and you know, sometimes they're a little sensationalist, but uh, but sometimes uh, they they do it, you know, spot on. Uh, Netflix, our old friends, Netflix are trying to actively purchase the Egyptian theater uh, here in Hollywood. They are trying to purchase. That really broke my heart. Yeah. I, I go there at least once a month and see a double feature. I've had some amazing nights there. And this really sucks. So, as I said last week, now we, you know, our last episode, or, or maybe it was the one before, we now go into a deeper circle of hell with Netflix. It started as we provide you with any movie you want. We'll hook you up. We're the Scotty at the gas station. <laughs> yes. Then Scotty starts saying, just, I'll suck your dick and do all that shit for you. All right? Just let me do it. <laughs> uh We'll we'll provide the content. We'll make the content ourselves. And now Netflix is trying to get into the fucking theater game. Yeah. Which, if you think it's going to stop at the Egyptian theater, no, that's going to be their landmark theater. That's going to be the, the you know the hub, if you will. That's going to be the tourist attraction theater for them. Uh, and they will undoubtedly, and I am calling this right now, they will move into buying up one of these chains that's about to fold. Uh, AMC is, is struggling. 
Uh, I don't know how. What's the other one? Uh, not, Lowe's. I don't know how Lowe's is doing. I can't imagine they're doing Lowe's great. Lowe's ain't doing great. Um, Pacific. And the next, and, and I, I'll take it even a step further. After they buy one of these ailing chains, Werenberg. they're going to then provide the new movie pass. They will provide the new movie pass. They are trying to corner entertainment entirely. And it is no coincidence that this is all happening as notable A-listers like Helen Mirren are publicly giving their grievances about Netflix while not saying they hate it, saying they like the service, but saying, for Christ's sakes, pump the fucking brakes. You still need to go to movie theaters and experience things that weren't made by fucking Netflix. So, uh, you know, um, you know what? Uh, I think this is insane. I think this is so beyond... This is to me is up there with like what the banks were doing. This is up there to me with Trump. This is up there to me with the biggest of the big. This is too big to fail bullshit. It it's it, it's it's it seems harmless because it's under the guise of entertainment, but the the, the 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 arms of this thing spiderweb in so many fucking directions. I mean, when you start to take into account how product placement works with all this stuff, how sponsorship works with all this stuff, the employment uh, th that goes into these products, this is a big fucking deal. This is a major industry thing. That's and it happened so fast. I still remember 10 years before anyone was talking about it, Finding out in college, I was 23 years old, 22 years old, that there was a website that would get you, I, I could get any criterion is the reason I was excited about it. They had everything and they would send it to your house. Um, I was, let's say I was 20. I was still living at home. So right. 2001, I didn't know anything about the stock market. I still kick myself for not buying fucking stocks and Netflix at this point, but the red, <laughs> red envelopes had come to the house I talked to my friends. They were like, eh, "Why wouldn't you just go to the video store?" Eh, you know, nobody even gave a shit. I did it for years and years and years. Finally, the door-to-door -door system started catching on. In my memory, about 2007, the streaming thing. I remember there was a, a DVD you had to put in your DVD player to like activate streaming. Right. You know, like I remember each step of this thing and at no point thinking I should perhaps purchase some stock because I had no money. Right. But no, it didn't even occur to me either. In roughly, tw you know, 20 years time, this thing has taken over the world. It's less than 20 years time. I've been doing comedy for about 17 years and this Netflix came no, out. No, you're right. 2001, I would say, is Netflix when it, came out it after first started. I was doing comedy. 2001. So yes. so it's less than 20 years, which makes it more astounding to me. And I remember even, you know, you want to talk about this is exactly what on to point to what we're on topic of what we're talking about here. When they first started doing the streaming thing, Netflix had a deal with stars. Uh-huh. And the deal was, we'll stream all the stuff you that people need to pay to see. And I remember when that fucking deal collapsed. Yeah. This, this, I'm telling you, they keep cutting out other companies, other entities, other people. Of course. And they're doing it all under one roof. I mean, people, I've been to the building. It is a, I, it is a fucking fortress, this place. It is a fucking fortress in the middle of Los Angeles. It is it is one of the most insane buildings I've ever been inside of. Uh, I thought they were just buying the Egyptian to show their movies, throw them in here for a few weeks so they could get nominated for Oscars to like as a loophole 
they were going to destroy this awesome Los Angeles theater just so they could throw them. And that probably is what they're going to do at first. Yeah, no, I think they'll absolutely do that Because at the first. theaters are going to start banning their movies, and they, they, they know that that's ahead. They know the theaters are like, fuck you, I'm not playing your movie. You're Netflix, you're trying to kill us. They can have their own theater say, hey, it played for two weeks in Los Angeles, so... Yeah, and then eventually, like I said, they're going to buy one of these ailing chains. Right. And then it's going to be, the, the AMC is going to be called the Netflix Theater. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. You know, 22 at the Netflix, whatever. Ne- Staples Center is going to be the Netflix Center by, by <laughs> you know, by the time I'm 40. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's just, it's just nuts, man. It's just nuts. And it's something that you need. Well, you don't need to do it. I, I can't believe I'm this passionate about it. I, I usually don't get caught up in these kinds of things, but this one is really, really bothering me. By the way, Amazon's no better, and there's you know new things every day about these people, but most troubling to me is, I, and I can't believe anyone would voluntarily put an Alexa spy device in their home, but although yeah, I, I had hooked mine. Phones are the exact same way, so, but... They said there are like people in Russia or whatever who listen in and when they hear a keyword like Taylor Swift in like if you and I are talking about Taylor Swift, then then you get that ad and it's like, hey, do you want to see Taylor Swift's new album? So they do listen in on things. They listen in on yeah. like samples like the FBI tapping wires. Then they said there have been times where people will hear something that sounds like, for example, sexual assault. Right. Amazon offers counseling for people who have to hear something like a physical assault or a sexual assault in a home. They offer counseling for them, but tell them it's not our job to get involved. So they just let those things go. They do latch into the Taylor Swift. If they hear a rape, they are instructed to let that go. But they do offer counseling. Now, when this woman said, I did listen to a sexual assault and I would like counseling, they did not provide it. Jesus. It was just like in, in name only. Everything you read about these companies, you're like, oh my god! So should I stop using Amazon? I think, I think a lot of people who question anything they do at all, the ethics of what they do, would have to have huge issues with Amazon. I do as well. However, when I'm like, oh, this album is forty dollars at Amoeba and seventeen dollars <laughs> at Amazon, it's hard for me to look at those ethics. Now that's gross. I have to recognize that about myself. But I do definitely lately try anytime I can to wean myself off of Amazon. Prime Prime serves one major purpose for me, which is Christmas time. It makes Unbeatable. Christmas. I can't leave the house around that time. Yeah, it makes Christmas very, very easy. And it helps me find the exact things I'm looking for for people. You shoot them and right then, to their door. And then also as a video game, as a pretty avid video game and media collector, and this applies more to video games than anything else i am able to find things on there that i can't find anywhere else like a battery for a nintendo game boy advance right you know like like shit that you can't just go over to best buy or wherever and buy like yeah and even video game stores don't have this shit so it's like that's that's my main thing with amazon is using it for those types of things but i mean i don't know maybe i gotta rethink that now too because uh, you know, I don't think it did the damage that people, I, I think it did some damage to brick and mortar stores. I don't think it did the level of damage that people thought it was going to do. It did a lot of damage. Oh, did, did it, like, it did a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, maybe clearly, 
I because once it infiltrated like Missouri, like my dad orders shit on Amazon, that means it has penetrated deep. Well, here's the thing though. I kind of look at that as okay. Well, what's it taking away from Walmart? You know what I mean? And Walmart's honestly, too. You're, uh, it's, it's all it's all bad. And honestly, I don't scream on Walmart because Walmart. I know they do a lot of shitty stuff, but I also know there's some single mom of three that needs a fucking job at Walmart in some place. You know what I mean? I so do think like, Walmart, after you know that documentary and some other things, I think have improved their policies somewhat. All right, well, that's but good. As far as you you know, Target is infinitely better than Walmart. Like all these corporations have a little bit of blood on their hands you know what goes on in the warehouse might not be ideal i know amazon does like these 24-hour work days that break human beings in their warehouse which is why you're able to get anything you want in two days delivered to your door in a giant cardboard box that's way too big for it and destroying the ozone as well but like i mean i had a wild one with them with with an elliptical where i bought it yeah and there were all these issues with returning it and they literally go, just keep it. They, we'll they do that back. shit all the time. It was a thousand dollar elliptical. Yeah. They just gave me the they money. They do that back. shit all the time. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, it, it's always good to look for the lesser of evils when you can. Target is a company that by by all I don't know why we're back to Target again, but like they do all their shit right, and that's a big company that makes sure their employees are paid and good benefits and so well, that's forth. That's good. Yeah, my Whereas cousin Walmart works for them. does not. Um, uh, all right. Anyway, to the movie. The picture is Craig Zoller's dragged across concrete. This is the the well, the man made uh, Bone Tomahawk, which we loved on this show. Riot and Cell Block ninety nine, which we Bro. loved. On, Bro, I'm that's sorry. The second. That's so weird. I just did Doug loves movies, and he called it Riot on Cell Block ninety nine. Well, there's a lot. There's a. I think there is a Riot in something block movie. Um, and I was drunk. I thought he was saying ride, and I was like. <laughs> what movie did you watch uh he wrote puppet master the littlest reich which I, joe and i are going to do on this show i haven't watched it yet i can't believe i've watched I, it i can't remember i think i did watch it and i forgot about no. it already i'm just curious as to what he did with i think it. he just produced it i don't no, know he wrote he, it oh he did write it yeah and uh, uh and now he's also done a few other things he's a novelist as well i read i read about him because i am officially a, a big fan of this guy to yeah. do to see like three movies where you're like wow these are great and also i think improving really he's fantastic and this, his company this is his best this it, is his best it is this is the best thing he's done so far i can't wait to see what he does next his company santa state is they bought fangoria they fangoria yes. was gonna fold as you know because we left the network that's why we left the network because the magazine was folding uh, and Cinestate, when it, he's doing, he's, this guy's just doing all the right stuff. The Cinestate is an amazing company that produces movies and publishes books. That's his company he owns? Uh, it's him and a, a, another gentleman who I actually have met and met with, and I'm blanking on his name at the moment, but um, uh, the, the, his partner comes from the publishing world and Craig comes from the movie world. And they joined forces and made this amazing company that puts out all this cool-ass genre stuff. Yeah. Um, from print to uh, to screen, uh, and you know, and the latest screen release is obviously dragged across concrete. Vince Vaughn, Mel Gibson, Don Johnson, um, 
Michael Jai White. Jennifer Carpenter of Dexter fame. Yep. Has a particularly memorable little subplot. And then we should, the, the newcomer to this thing. Yeah, I forget his name, but he's We should he's look him up because great. he was absolutely excellent. Um, his name is, help me. No. Why don't they just put them in order? Uh, yeah, I hate know, when you got to like I'm going to kill somebody. It's like, why is the lead actor you know, halfway down the page? Well, a hilarious and weird performance by Fred Malamud, who play, who was in a, a, ser- a serious man as uh, Cy Abelman, one of the greatest characters of all time. Uh, that was one of the oddest fucking things I have ever seen. I was like, his part is he plays a bank manager. Well, look, I mean, we'll get to the yeah. learning. I, I'm going to get this guy's name. Can I do one fucking thing? Well, I'll just say this real quick. He's I'm not going to Tony him. Kittles. I thought that can't be his name, but his name is Tony Kittles. He's great. He was. Uh, he. What's the guy's name again from Serious Man? Simple Man. Uh, the actor, the guy you just said, Fred Malamud. He play. I won't give it away. I won't give away what happens in the sequence. But he plays a bank manager who's welcoming an employee back to work, and it's it's odd. It's like <laughs> he's like Your Majesty. We have been ap- sick, sickened by the absence of Your Majesty. Welcome back. Like it's well. He taught. It's so crazy the way he talks. I think Melamed was in uh cell block so he knew him and or he was in one of this guy's movies and he probably was like i got a little part you could come in and do but i'll make it i'll make it better for you or something it seemed like that kind of thing they made a a bit part more interesting for a great actor but that's really what he does i mean learning he was a novelist made so much sense to me i think you really got to discuss the jennifer carpenter segment which was its own tiny little movie yeah and yeah, that could have been a short film. It's a scene when you think about Heat or Dark Knight or all these bank high scenes where they just kick open the doors and then somebody gets shot and you're like, oh, okay, a lady got shot. You know, this thing takes you home with this woman in five spoilers, minutes. Spoilers, by the way. Yeah, I mean, always spoilers. This is available to rent for, you know, six ninety nine or whatever on Amazon and iTunes. It already is coming out, by the way, on Blu-ray in like two weeks. Okay. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Um but it in five minutes, you know everything about this woman. It's so beautifully written. It's the kind of scene that unquestionably would be edited out of a Hollywood version of this story. Um, and my God, does it make her plight so much more sympathetic and sad. And everything in the movie is done that way with that level of detail the dialogue is excellent. While it's sometimes being a little flashy for its own good, there's a Tarantino influence. Or it, yeah. it feels like the Jackie Brown style of Tarantino. It feels like yeah. occasionally a little heightened, but mostly very realistic. It's not a Kill Bill or even a Pulp Fiction where there's a lot of like goofy hijinks. It just feels like the, a very real, very funny, very interesting portrayal of like awesome crime drama events. And everybody acts the hell out of it because they're given stuff to do for the first time in decades in some and it's, cases. It's, it comes in from all angles. You got the cops. You got the crooks. You got the pedestrians, the bystanders, and they show the perspective of all of them. And they show it very honestly. And it's it's a weirdly sympathetic 
film to all sides of that coin. You feel sorry for the cops. You feel sorry for the crooks. You're yeah. like, it's it's kind of back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. It's like everybody is just part of a shit world yeah. and they're just trying to figure it out and nothing's fair to anybody. Yes. Um, I, I was... I mean, in terms of... I, I, heat is a very valid comparison because it does that. But yeah. like in its weird way, you know... Heat is a masterpiece. I love it. I could watch it all day. This, I feel like, is going to, in five years' time, be a Heat-level thing. I feel like I'm going to be watching this a lot. I feel like people are going to be discovering it and sharing it with their friends, and it's going to become one of those kind of word-of-mouth classics, like a a Donnie Darko or something. It's fantastic. A truly, and by the way, a truly amazing movie that not only celebrates diversity in its cast, that not only celebrates the climate and the culture and the discussions we should be having with its with with its themes and its message, uh, that not only makes cinema in the way in like that run and gun Scorsese style taxi driver fucking way that's this fucking thing will never get mentioned once no anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> nope, this this thing, for all they bitch about it, all the award shows, how this is what we need, and we need art that enlightens, and we need diversity in our cast, and we need to show more sympathy in gender roles, and so that this movie hits every one of those fucking notes, and you will never hear about this fucking thing. I think the ever. reason for that is that they cast Vaughn and Gibson. Vaughn is known as a Republican, I believe, Gibson is known as a lot of worse things, but but I'm glad he redeemed himself. I was thrilled the, to see Gibson back. Like he he, he is he is in his like lethal weapon ransom prime here. <laughs> he's so fucking great, and it makes you just sort of forget how great he was, you know. And that that is a guy where obviously a controversial figure. If I'm just going to the movie and watching the guy and doing what people used to do. And just go and watch a movie and not know anything about the lives of the people. You know, some cases I'm willing to do that. Some cases I'm not. This case, it's like the guy's good when he wants to be. And he's really fucking good in this. He also like we're in an age now where like did Wreck-It Ralph just take a shot at Donald Trump? And you're like, (laughs) no. (laughs) Like what? What? And it'll be a huge article. This movie like is discussing everything sometimes explicitly sometimes implicitly um in such an interesting way in a way that so all politics now is oh you you fucking snowflake liberals and oh you fucking racist rapist republicans right and no and nothing in between this movie is covering all of it and it's it is a more balanced portrayal than even the news because it is lending a full sympathetic ear as joe said to all sides i know on all sides and on many sides has a bad connotation now too because of the president but like it is looking at all sides of each issue it is like the the scene with don johnson where vaughn and gibson sit across his desk 
Don Johnson, by the way, just a comet on the screen. It, I don't, I don't this, like him, and he is so fucking good in this movie. It is, it, it is up there to me with like, it's like the Baldwin scene in Glengarry. That's Glenn right. Yes. He's in one scene, and I'm just like, this guy is killing it right now. He is incredible in the movie, and they have this scene where the three men talk, and it's like, okay, you're gonna hear some things in this five minute talk that you don't hear from sympathetic leads in movies anymore because it aligns itself with like a Republican outlook, et cetera. So that people at brands, this guy, a Republican filmmaker, he doesn't even really talk about it. Like, I don't know if he is or isn't. I'm just saying in this scene, you're hearing some things that are uncomfortable at times, some things that you'll agree with at times, but it, what it definitely does is sound like three cops alone with the door shut and what they would be saying. And it's not as horrific as it might be in, you know, uh, another kind of movie where it's like we got to go out and kill all these minorities or something, um, you know, where they're painted as villains. But it's also not all scrubbed up like, look, I just want to make a difference out on the streets. It sounds like men having a conversation who have very difficult jobs and who are trying to make sense of this new fucked up world and, also too, and this politically correct world. Also, too, there are sounds conf- real. There are conflicting opinions in that scene. It's not one sided. Absolutely, Don not. Johnson is 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 the is the more liberal voice in that scene. Um, and but then also too, here's a thing this movie has that you don't see anymore: character development. Well, so, I mean that that's what I was saying with with Carpenter, even down to the most minor, mi- it, and even more minor than her, the bank boss. I mean. Everyone is fleshed out so beautifully so that it's like a novel. My point is, is where these characters start at the beginning, the, again, the cops and the crooks, because it covers all sides, is a very different place than where they all end up at the end of the movie. And that's what's so great about it is, is and that's what's up with these issues, too. When people argue these issues about, and I just mean this in a very broad sense, like the, the idea of like being more tolerant to one another or whatever it is. When we argue these issues, we we tend to have trigger words and trigger phrases that set us off. We have our defenses way up and whatever. And then nine times out of ten, when somebody starts to experience what the other person is going through, they start to say, wow, I was a little too wrapped up in my own shit. And I, I have a broader idea of this now. And that's what happens to, to a lot of the characters in this movie. You start to see them broaden their understanding of things. And it's fucking beautiful quite frankly at times uh i agree the the friendship and the chemistry between vaughn and gibson a again feels very very real very very natural the movie stops for two minutes to watch vince vaughn (laughs) eat an egg salad sandwich it's 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 mortadella he says later uh gibson gibson was excess it's but it's but the the sound pat and i were laughing about this after the (laughs) They, there are the sound design in this movie is impeccable. Uh, the pun, every punch is like, <laughs> and they got the sound cranked up while Vaughn is eating this sandwich. I mean, you're yeah. here. It, it sounds like you're inside his mouth. It's one of the oddest choices I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, and you know the whole and it works brilliantly because it, they're on a stakeout and he's he's trying to show you like how fucking annoying would this be? Like right. if you had to sit next to this guy in a car after two days and listen to this you'd want to fucking strangle him it's very very funny gibson's like are you fucking done you know at the end of it uh 
it's an awesome bit that would be at gunpoint taken out of a Hollywood movie or a studio movie. So this is two and a half hours. I've heard a lot of people bitch about it being too long, being too boring. I did. This is the only movie I haven't checked my phone in a year. I was completely riveted start to finish. All the performances are amazing. Man, I wish that guy had a more memorable name because I think he'd be a bigger star if he did. But Tory Kittles, I got a Tony or Tory Tory. Okay. I got to stamp that into my head because he was excellent in this. He was also in the latest season of True Detective. But uh, man, he was fucking good. Everybody was fucking was good. Was he the lead guy in True Detective this year? No, that was Maharaja Ali. Oh, wait, that's right. That's the guy from uh, um, uh, Green Book, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Who, by the way, are, are people called this it. out? You were like, you know, uh, couldn't, couldn't he have you know, some Oscar stuff? He had actually won the year before from Moonlight. He did. He did, which I had forgotten as well. I've never seen Green Book. I've never. I didn't see True Detective. I have no idea what the. I wouldn't know him if I fell over. I would have no fucking clue. I didn't, really? I didn't know his name. I know nothing. It's I got to well, go back and watch name. Moonlight. Uh, I love Moonlight. I really did, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about sweet, sweet dragged across concrete. Yeah, two hours thirty nine minutes, and I had no idea. I thought it was ninety minutes. I at a no time idea. when ninety minute movies feel like four hours. Uh, yeah, that's pretty impressive because I, I could have watched another, I, I guess I could have watched like an eight hour miniseries of this. I mean, well, if, if this had been a series and, and this is a guy who like an FX should be banging his door down to get this guy, like to make the next shield, you yeah. know, like he's got the next great cop drama in him and, uh, he'd make more money. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I just a huge thank you to everybody involved with this picture. Thank you for showing. I mean, it revi. It's the best movie I've seen all year. It reinstated Without my question. faith in cinema. Uh, I mean, we walked out of this thing, and I turned to Pat and I go, "That is what a fucking good movie is." Like, it, it's one of those flicks when you watch it. I found myself going, "I have bullshitted myself through so many Cineplex movies." Yeah. You know, and said like, yeah, it was pretty good or it was this or it was that or or like whatever. And then I've guilted myself for thinking things sucked when everybody else liked it. And then I saw this thing and I was like, no, I, I was right. That is what a good movie is. That's yes. what a good fucking movie looks like. Um, and uh, and it was just thank you to everybody that made this thing. It was just it, it was just it makes me it, it gives me hope. And I will say back on the theater bit, Joe and I, you know, I was like, hey, we should go up and see this at the theater. We could have rented it for five bucks. We went up then they charged the ticket price. 18 a pop. <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It's gone up at the Arclight. And I'm so glad I paid it. I'm so glad for a variety of reasons. I think it deserved to be seen on the big screen. Two, when you're at home, whether you want to admit it or not. You're checking your phone. You're going over. Yeah. You're going to the bathroom, but leaving it running. You know, you get a phone call. You're not paying attention for a second. This movie, if you do watch it at home and more power to you, save yourself some money. But please shut your fucking phone off for two hours, 40 minutes and just enjoy the hell out of this movie because I think it's easily the best of the year. It'll be on my favorites of the year at the end of the year. Guaranteed. Great performances all around. Tori Kittles. Vince Vaughn, Mel Gibson, Craig Zoller, man to watch. Uh, 
if he is getting these offers to move over into the Marvel universe, like every guy with a, a, a well-made indie movie is nowadays, I sure hope he keeps turning them down because I would hate to lose this guy to bigger budget movies. He's making great pictures. <sighs> Well, and that's the thing, too. If if he does slide over in that direction, I hope he does it for strategic reasons, like the way Buscemi did, yes. or, or even a Clooney, where he was like, yeah, I'm going to go make Batman and Robin. It's going to be a pile of shit, and then I'm going to be able to do whatever the fuck I want. And then sure. the next thing I'm doing is Leatherheads. Right. You know? Right. Like, he's like, because uh, they wouldn't have made this if I don't do. Well, sometimes they're right, by the way. Yeah. Like in the case of Leatherheads. Uh, anyway, that's our show, folks. Uh, I will be at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival next week, uh, starting on Wednesday night um, in Austin, Texas, uh, at Cap City on Wednesday with uh, Dudley and Bob for the kickoff podcast. I don't know exactly who else is going to be there, but I will be there for that. And then I'll have several shows throughout the week and weekend, definitely doing the goddamn Comedy Jam uh, twice while I am there. Uh, I think I will be potentially judging roast battle while I'm there, but I'll be doing stand-up shows too. Uh, love Austin. Can't wait to come back. Uh, and uh, that is, uh, I think that's it for now. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. Can you get me f more followers than the fucking cat, please? <laughs> uh as for your boy, P. Walsh, you can find me at the Patrick Walsh on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and I believe that's all I got. Check us out at the Hog House page on Etsy for merch. Uh, check us out on Facebook on the We'll See You in Hell page. Always a great discussion over there. Almost pulled the plug on Facebook the other day, but again, left it up because I love reading what you guys have to say. And Instagram, we are on See You in Hell Pod. Thanks to Emily for running that. We are looking to set up a potential, I don't want to say where, but we are looking to set up a potential show in America that will not be in the Los Angeles area. The start of a little, perhaps, tour of the globe. Uh, we will see you next time with Pet Cemetery, all things Pet Cemetery, and we will see you in hell. <clears throat> A podcast network.